morning, Creekside Church. Morning. And if you look to your left and your right, you see young disciples of Jesus, but you also see some older ones. I won't say which is which, uh, but good morning to all of you. It is a blessing to be here on a family service, and we have a very packed family service today. But with that said, it is a blessing to be here with you all. It's a blessing to take communion. Uh, as I was sitting over here, I just was looking at the table and I saw all these little feet and all these little arms at this table grabbing the elements to remember who Jesus is. Such a beautiful thing to just sit back and watch. And we at Creekside, we really believe that we are a family knitted together. It's why we do our groups. It's why we meet here today. It's why we worship. Every part of what we do is to remind us that it's Jesus who weaves us together as a big family, thicker than our blood, family. And we've been in a sermon series called The Art of Being all around the spiritual practices and the thought that being with Jesus leads us to doing what Jesus did. It's by simply being in his presence that we become like Jesus and we begin to do what Jesus did. And a couple weeks ago, we had our first moment where one of our elders came up and gave a sermon. And this week, we have another elder giving the sermon. And so if you guys can give a loud Creekside welcome to John Prey. Come on up, John. What a welcome. What a welcome. Thank you, everybody. Uh, that's helpful because I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous to come up here. I've never taught in big church before. Um, our big church, except last service. Oh, yeah, one down. Um, I have uh, more fans in this service. Great to see the youth team here. Um, in fact, it's great to see all the families here and all the kids. So, kids, I'm excited that you're here. Um, I, like, I, got, I got to do mine on a communion Sunday and then on a family service Sunday, and then we're going to have some special things after the service. I, I really feel like I, I got a good Sunday to be up here, so I'm excited. So the nervous is just a little bit. I'm, we, we have a phrase in our family called that we say nervous-sided, and that came from, the, that came from My Little Pony. Uh, so kids, there's your reference there. Um, she says nervous-sided, and so that's a little bit what I'm feeling. I'm mostly excited the Nathan did a good job of like prepping us, and he did also did a really good job of assigning these um, spiritual disciplines topics to each of us based on like what he knows that we're passionate about. So I appreciate that I felt known, um, but also I'm excited about uh, the topic that I get to speak on because it's something that's dear to my heart. So that's what I'm excited about. Uh, kids, I'm excited that you guys are here. I have one cartoon slide in my, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep this from, I teach the youth more commonly. I'm going to try to keep this from feeling like a, a youth lesson. But it'll have some youthness in it. Adults like cartoons too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and kids, but so, so there will be cartoons, cartoon. Uh, but there's also a lot of Bible in there. And kids, I just want to encourage you to tune in and listen because uh, we just heard Eloise did a wonderful job of leading us in communion and reading the scripture. And I want to encourage the youth that's not usually in here. You guys are smart and you guys are able to understand the Bible and scripture. And so as, as we're going through that, 
I would encourage you guys just to stay tuned in and go, oh yeah, this applies to me too. So we're in our series uh, called The Art of Being, which Nathan kind of introduced a little bit. I really, I'm enjoying this series. It's, he's, we started off by talking about how we like abide in Christ and how all this is about us abiding. And then we've walked through prayer. There's a couple weeks on prayer. And then last week was Nathan did, spoke on solitude. And um, I really liked the solitude part. As I was sitting in the audience, he was speaking about how um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of information coming into our brains at all times. And as I'm sitting there listening to him saying that, I'm recollecting, we had friends in town, and so we had like a bunch of kids in our house. And at one point in the evening, I looked, and every kid was on the couch on their phone, just kind of looking at some playing games, some scrolling Instagram, and, and all this information's hitting them. And, I'm, and the, the friend taps me and goes, hey, look at all our kids. I'm like, oh. She, tapped, she had to tap me because I was on my phone too. So, <laughs> so guilty. And what I liked about that in the solitude one was he was saying, we have a lot of these inputs. And when I was sitting there and thinking about what I was going to be teaching on this time, which is going to be the art of study, I, I got to thinking like, okay, we have all these inputs, whether it's people, whether it's books, whether it's media, whether it's even our own brains and stuff, our own brain tells us, we have all these inputs. Are we, are we allowing the word of God to speak into our lives as well and give input there? Um, or, or is that not giving us, because we're going to be getting inputs, and so we kind of need to fight fire with fire, you know, and, and have a good flood of the word of God in our lives. So that's why I'm excited about what we're doing. I can hit the next slide. We're going to be in... Um, 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bible, start flipping it open to 2 Timothy. We're going to read our passage in just a minute. Um, I chose this picture to go along with it. I do not know any Kierkegaard quotes, but I was like, I have to sound sophisticated. So that's a Rembrandt painting. I'll have you know. <laughs> Ooh la la. Um, I, I was looking just for a picture to go along with the art of study, and, and we're focusing on Bible reading as part of the art of study. And there was a lot of pictures of, like, Bibles opened up on a table with light shining on it, which is cool. Um, but I liked this one because it showed, not only would it look me, make me look sophisticated, uh, but it showed the light coming out of the Bible and God's word producing the light and illuminating her. And it reminded me of how Psalms says, like, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it's God's word that illuminates us. And the woman is studying God's word and diligently seeking truth in God's word. And it's illuminating her. So I really loved it for that reason. Um, so feel sophisticated as you look at it. Um, we are going to read our passage and then I'll pray for us. And then we're going to get started. So there is our passage. I'm going to read it out of my regular Bible. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue, this is Paul talking to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching excuse me, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, uh, we come to your word for truth this morning. We come to your word for truth about your word this morning. Um, I thank you that your word guides us in all things. And I just pray that you would um, prepare our hearts to learn from your word, that you would focus our minds on you and what you have to say and your eternal purposes in this world. Um, as the psalmist says, God, just open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your awesome word this morning. So thank you for this, God, and I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. Amen. Okay. Uh, we are going to start... Uh, okay, wait. Before I start into the passage, we're, there were a number of different directions. When, when I was given the, the topic of the art of study and Bible reading... Um, I was like, man, where do I take this? Because we could talk about, like, how re I'll tell you what we're not focusing on. What I chose not to focus on is how you read your Bible, because I kind of got into that, and I was like, there's a lot of, like, we could go real deep on concordances and the different languages that it's written in and all the cultures and how it applies and concordances and stuff like that. And, and I was like, whoa, that's deep. And um, we could go, or I thought about going a direction of, like, is the Bible reliable? You know, is this even true? And and it is. Um, but what we're going to focus on is like the why, the benefits of reading our Bible. And uh, what, what my work leadership stuff is, says is the what's in it for me stuff, which, which we all are thinking like, okay, what's in it for me? And I want to apply that to our Bible reading. What are the benefits of reading our Bible? And wh why would I read my Bible? If I'm going to stand up here and say, we should read our Bibles, why should I read my Bible? So that's what we're going to spend our time on. And then towards the end, uh, I put a couple like practical ideas of how we could maybe take like some baby steps to maybe start um, start reading our Bibles or take a next step of reading our Bibles. Just how we can have this be part of our part of our being. You know, this is the art of being part of our daily routine. Um, so we're gonna start before we get into Second Timothy. Uh, we're gonna start with context because I feel like if I'm teaching about studying our Bibles, we should have, we should probably practice good Bible study practices. And understanding the context of what you're studying is a good Bible study practice. So we don't just jump in right in the middle of Timothy, right in the middle there. Um, I think of it like, like when my kids are watching movies. I always like to watch a movie all the way through with them so that when I hear songs and stuff in the background, like, let it go. I, I'm not like, oh, this is annoying. I'm, I, 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 I kind of like Disney songs. <laughs> um, but if I didn't know the context, I'd be like, who cares? Just let it go. But then, w w when you know the context of the movie, you're like, yeah, let it go, Elsa. So that what I want to do is set up the context of 2 Timothy so that when we get to this passage, we go, oh, yeah, Paul, preach it. Like, that's, that's what I'm excited about. So I... Okay, I already told you I like movies. This is the other reason I like context. Um... I'm a, we just went to see The Little Mermaid in the movie theaters. It was, it comes recommended. We liked it. Uh, but I'm a previews guy. Like, I, I always tell Carly, we got to get there early enough to watch the previews. She thinks I'm crazy. But I like previews because they get me hyped for what, like, I go, oh, I want to see that movie. I learned this last week when we went to see it, they're making a live action Barbie movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, I, they will make a live action anything these days. But by the end of the preview, I was like, I kind of want to go see the live-action Barbie movie. <laughs> this is a safe space. Don't, don't go out and tell people that. <laughs> but, but it got me to go, 
oh, I want to go see this. And so to me, that's what understanding, if you're having a hard time like starting reading the Bible, I, what has helped me before is to go, let me understand some context of this book. I was in a Bible reading um, group, or I can't remember why, but we were going to start reading Deuteronomy. And I was like, what do I know about, De- where is Deuteronomy? And, and so I, I didn't know the first thing, but as I started reading um, stuff on the internet about why it was written and what it was written, I read things like, hey, this is Moses' last thing he wrote before they went into the promised land. So this is sort of his goodbye, I'm not going with you, sort of his like final farewell message to them. These are the important things. And I was like, ooh, now I'm excited about reading Deuteronomy. And I did the same thing for Mark recently where I read an intro for Mark and they said, this gospel is fast. It's going to move. This gospel's like an action movie. And, and I like action movies. So I was like, yeah, bring it on, Mark. Uh, and, they, and so I was excited to dive in. So if you're having a little like, man, the, like where in the world do I start? It's so big. I don't know. Go read a couple like intros about a book and get excited about the context of it. So the context of 2 Timothy, before we get into our passage, we're in the New Testament. Oh, this is where the cartoon comes in. Yeah. Uh, this is our only cartoon, so enjoy it. <laughs> um, this is a letter. The, this, 2 Timothy is a letter from Paul to Timothy. And where we are, we'll, we'll get to Paul and Timothy in a second. We're in the New Testament. We're after Jesus. Uh, remember, Paul started off killing Christians. And then God was like, hey, why are you killing us? And so then he converted and then started telling Jewish people about, about the Messiah and Jesus and everything. And the Jewish people were like, we don't want anything to do with it. And so then he's like, okay, fine, I will tell the Gentiles about it. And that's, where, that's what led him into Ephesus is he goes, hey, like this Messiah, this Jesus, like you can know this God. And so a lot of people started going, oh, I think I want to follow this message. And so Ephesus, Paul spent a few years there. He spent a lot of time. This place was close to his heart. But then he moved on because he's a missionary. And he left Timothy in Ephesus. And that's Timothy, that goofy-looking guy over there. Um, I'm your new pastor. Timothy was young, and Ephesus was, there were some issues that, that Timothy was dealing with there. And uh, Paul is not in Ephesus with him. So Paul is now older in his life. He's in prison. That, see those rocks? That's, he's in prison, and he's writing letters. And Paul's in Rome, and he is on death row, basically, because Nero is going crazy, and he's, he's burning Christians, and he's feeding the lions, and all that kind of stuff. So Paul knows his time is over, and he's probably not getting out of prison this time. Um, and and so, he's, so, that's, so that's where we find ourselves with Paul writing this letter, and we have Timothy, who is a young leader in this town of Ephesus. How do you say it? Ephesus. Ephesus. Say it, Ephesus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so he's this young leader in Ephesus. He's been like following Paul around. His, he's like Paul's young little protege. This is going to sound insulting now that I described it that way. But it's sort of like a Mark and Nathan kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> I don't mean that as insulting. <laughs> but Mark, Mark's gone now. And it's as if is that Mark, is, Mark is gone, but Mark is not in prison right now. So there are some... <laughs> And, and not on death row. So there are some very important differences. But the similarities are, it would be like as if Mark wasn't coming back. And he was like, Nathan, like this body of believers, stick to this. Do that. Do that. It's Paul's 
passing of the torch, just like Deuteronomy was Moses' passing of the torch, and just like Jesus in the upper room with the disciples was like, this is it, guys. I'm going to the cross. You're going car- like, to carry this on. This is Paul going, Timothy, this is it. I need you to carry it on. So are we hyped? Are we hyped for 2 Timothy? I'm hyped. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So now we get into 2 Timothy, and uh, we're not quite ready for our thing yet. So now we're into 2 Timothy. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul starts it off by saying, like, hey, fight, I, sometimes I even just read the subtitles. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul's like, hey, Timothy, this is our, this is our gospel. We're fighting for it. Fight like a good soldier. We get into chapter 3, and Paul has a little bit more of like a, a comparison between godlessness and godliness. And he, and he says, understand this, Timothy. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Listen to this. This is, I, I say this describes American people so well, but it probably describes all people of all time. I can't, he, he went a little harsh, I think. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That is how you describe somebody you don't like very much, I would say. But Paul loves these people, but I think he's just describing that to say like, look, like sin has taken over in this world. And so Paul's telling Timothy, this is, this is the world you're operating in. And then he gets into verse 10 where he's like, and it's kind of kicked my butt. You know, you've seen the sufferings that I've gone through. And so then we get into our passage and Paul says, and it, he starts it out in verse 14 with, but as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Pause. From childhood. Chi- I, I know there's childs in here. Um, I love this because he starts it out and he goes, from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Sacred meaning the Bible. Um, he talks about earlier in Second Timothy, he talks about... Um, Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandma. So, and he, and he says like, hey, I know the faith of your mother. I know the faith of your grandma. And so I just want to say mothers and grandmothers, like keep doing it. You know, you're recognizing the Bible or at least Timothy's, maybe you'll get in the Bible someday. Just kidding. Um, what Tim, Paul goes, Ma, your mother and your grandma instilled these biblical principles in you from the time of your youth. And it's an example for us to follow. And, he, and never were the mother and the grandmother going, they're there, you're too young to understand the Bible. But they were like, kid, you can understand the Bible. Young Timothy, you can understand the scripture and God's words. And I like the way that Lisa operates our kids program because she has that same kind of heart and attitude of, this is not childcare. These are little worshipers and they can understand God's truth. And so Lisa is doing that with our kids. I encourage all of us to treat our kids as the young minds that they are, as the intelligent minds that they are, who can understand God's word. So, this is called firm foundation. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, I called it that, and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Let's get into the benefits because that's what we want to, that's what we're hyped about. Benefit number one, salvation. Uh, Let's read it. 
continuing what you've learned, how you firmly believe, from childhood you've been acquainted with the writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So benefit number one, Scripture can make us wise for salvation. I Do you guys remember, do you guys know Gideon Bibles? Like they put them in hotel drawers and stuff. They used to have, maybe they still do, those little New Testaments with the Psalms and the Proverbs. I used to love those things. Um, at the beginning of it, they have an intro that's really good. So if you have one of those in a drawer somewhere, go look at it, go read the intro. It talks about the Bible and it's like, it's this, it's that. It's the pilgrim staff, it's a traveler's compass. One of the things it says in there is the Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, and the way of salvation. And I like the way they put that. And it ties to what he's saying, which is wise to salvation, because it's saying, when we read the scripture, we understand the mind of God. And the more we read scripture, we go, whoa, God, like you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when we read the scripture, we understand the state of man. I just, I just read it to us. The, uh, like man is fallen. And the more we read, the more we go, yeah, that's, that's me. And as God gets higher, as we read scripture, God gets higher. And as we read scripture, man looks more and more depraved. And then Jesus, who bridges that gap, looks bigger and bigger and bigger as we read scripture. And so when we read, is able to make you wise for salvation. It's because when we read our Bibles, it points us to Jesus. Even the Old Testament before Jesus was pointing us to, hey, man is a sinner and God is a savior. And there were all these foreshadowings of like, of going, hey, at some point, man, you're going to need a savior. And I just really like um, being able to view the word of God that way. Jesus, when he was um, talking to the, in John chapter 5, when he was talking to the Pharisees, who he kind of had some tense moments with, he goes, he's, this is 539 of John, you search the scriptures because you think that in them is eternal life. That's a good thing, right? I, I think that's a good thing. And he sa- But then he says, and it is these that bear witness about me because they, they were not accepting Jesus. But he goes, you search the scriptures because you think that in them is, inter- is eternal life. And they're not wrong. He doesn't say you're wrong. He says, and it is these that bear witness about me. Like th- I am the way to salvation. And the scriptures tells you the way to salvation. After the resurrection, the disciples were like, downcast and wondering what was going on, Jesus pointed him back to the scriptures and he taught him, hey, this was God's plan all along for the, the, for the Messiah to die and that is how man would be saved. And they were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And they went back to tell their friends and he told the disciples and that stirred them up. Jesus knew he wasn't gonna be here forever, but he goes, the words of eternal life are right here and you will, we don't always have Jesus, but we always will have this. Um, and then we have Paul. So the disciples preach the word and, of salvation. And then Paul in Romans says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's a number of things in our Bible that are reminders to us that these are the words of eternal life in here. And these are able, the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That sounds like a benefit to me. That's going to be benefit number one. I could probably stop here because that seems like a pretty good benefit, but we're going to go on. There's more. Uh, Benefit number two, sanctification. Salvation, sanctification. You have to pick words that start with the same letter when you're preaching. I have heard. Uh, So I chose this word, um, which is really to say if salvation is about eternity and what happens after we die, sanctification is about the here and now. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of him. My notes can't keep up. (laughs) 
Sanctification is about the here and now. It's, it's God's process of making us pure and conforming us into the image of his son. And what Paul is saying is, hey, the scriptures are valuable for that. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I had an aha moment probably like 10 years ago um, where I was like, wait a second, all scripture? Paul didn't have like this whole Bible when he was writing this. What did Paul have? And I had to like scratch my head a little bit. Since then, I've, I've learned that even though he didn't have this whole Bible, they for sure had the Old Testament. So I was like, is he just talking about the Old Testament? But as you read through different verses, there were letters. This is late in Paul's life. There were letters already floating around the churches. And there are, like in 1 Timothy, Paul quotes the script. He says, the scripture says, and he says something from the Old Testament and something out of the book of Luke. And, and in Peter, there's a verse where he's like, yeah, the scriptures are kind of hard to understand as are, no, Paul's writings are kind of hard to understand as are the rest of the scriptures. So there's, they in those times regarded Old Testament and these New Testament writings as scriptures. So all scripture breathed out by God. I'm a math guy. Wait, math, eh? Yeah, math guy. Uh, I liked that if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Um, Breathe, God is perfect. So if God is perfect and God breathed out scripture, that tells us this is a very solid verse that goes, scripture's perfect. Like how could God breathe out something that is not perfect? And we can rest in that and we can, we can wrestle with the things that are hard. Even Jesus helped people wrestle with it when he said things like, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this. So we can wrestle with these things, but, but I would encourage you wrestle with confidence knowing that this word came from God. And so... We're wrestling to, to understand this almighty being that is hard for us to understand. It doesn't mean he's wrong and that us fallen creatures are right, but we don't always understand. And we, it takes learning. It takes some, like, digging to figure out what's going on. Okay. Um, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. I was like, man, I don't think we have time to dive into all these big words. And so I thought, what pattern do I see here? And I think what I would give us here is teaching is, tells us, teaching teaches us, hmm, teaching leads to correct thinking, like thinking the right things. And then if you go all the way to the end, training in righteousness leads to li doing the right things. And so to me, this goes Hey, Scripture can teach us the right things, so we can know stuff up here. We don't always, kids, I'm, I'm speaking to you and the parents, even though we know the right thing to do, we don't always do the right thing, right? I, right, kids? Um, I, right, parents? <laughs> um, so we know the right thing, but then Scripture can be reproof where it goes, hey, you're not doing the right thing. You're kind of screwing up here. Then scripture can help us with correction where it says, this is actually what you should be doing. See, see how God tells us to live? And then training in righteousness, which is to go, now go. Now go and sin no more, like he told to the lady. Um, when Moses was writing Deuteronomy, and he was like, I, and he says, I can't go with you. What he wrote, he, he repeated some of the things from the law, and he repeated the Ten Commandments. And, at, and near the end, he writes, these are no empty words, but these are your very life. And then Jesus, when he's in the upper room and he's saying goodbye, he says, he's praying to the Father and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So there are a number of 
times we see in the Bible where, where the Bible's pointing back to the word of God to say, this is how God sanctifies us and makes us into his image. Okay, ready for more benefits? More benefits. Complete, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I thought, complete. I picked out some verses to go with complete. For every good work, I really like that. Uh, I don't want to skip that. That tells us that, like, the word of God is sufficient. It can apply, it can, it's, it can equip us for everything we need to be equipped for. The complete, here are the verses I picked out for complete. I went to Psalm 1, and it said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is that man. That sounds like a complete life. Sergio is going to teach on that in a few weeks um, a little bit more, so we're going to dig into Psalm 1. Um, kids, there's a verse in, in Psalms that says, I have more understanding than my teachers. Eh? The, uh, because I, because uh, I forget the second part, <laughs> because I read your word, I'm paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> so, hey, read your Bibles, kids. You want to be smarter than your teachers? Um, but what he's saying is like, I understand the oracles of God and that guides me. Uh, Psalm 119.50. Psalm 119 is like a whole discourse on how great the Bible is. Um, Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. When we're going through hard times, this promise is our comfort, and this is why we can say, this light momentary affliction is bringing, like, is not worthy of being compared to what God has in store for us. When we know our Bibles, we can rest in that and be comforted. Psalm 119.165 says, great peace have those who love your law. Um, And then lastly, Second Timothy, I'll just end here as, as the complete part. If we were to get into ver- chapter 4, which I don't um, have up there, Paul is finishing off this letter. It's like the final of his final letter. And he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's complete to me. And that is a complete life where Paul can look at the end and go, I've kept the faith. And, I've, and we know that Paul stuck to God's word and go, God's word will guide me in everything. Timothy, have God's word guide you in everything. That's the end of the benefits that I wrote down. There's probably a billion more benefits. There's so many benefits This is why people in the Middle Ages died so that they could have the word of God in their language and able to read themselves. People gave up their lives for this and were burned at the stake for this. The Reformation, there were Martin Luther translated in his language. One of my favorite um, parts of the Luther movie that I love um, is Martin Luther's friend taking the Bible to his other country. And he, he goes, I want my people to have the to feel the joy that I felt when I first read God's when I read God's word for the first time. It was awesome. He ended up getting caught at the border and burned at the stake, at least in the movie. I don't know how true that is historically. Um, but I know people died for the word of God. And it's so commonplace to us and me sometimes that it ends up just sitting on the shelf and not getting read. My dad used to say, if you left your Bible at church on Sunday, when would you realize it was missing? And I thought that was really good. Would you realize it was missing on Monday? 
Would you wake up on Monday and go, I should read my Bible? Would, you, would it be Tuesday? Would it be next Sunday when it was time to go to church? If you left your Bible at church, when would you realize it was missing? We're going to go into um, some practical advice on how we can, if, if we're convinced that there's a lot of benefits, we're just going to quickly go through some practical advice. Bible book club. Uh, I called. The, I was in a life group back when we called them life groups here, uh, and we were sharing around the table, and I had shared like, man, I wish I was uh, in my Bible more, and like had a better habit of reading. And then we went around. Another guy shared and said, I also wish I was reading my Bible more. And we were like, let's work together on this. And so we said, okay, how about we just read a chapter a day, and we'll pick a book, Matthew, whatever, Second Timothy. We'll read a chapter, and then we'll just text each other a title of that chapter. Um, and it still goes on to this day. And it was just, it was amazing the, the accountability in one chapter a day and how much Bible we started to get through. So an idea, pick a friend. If you, and if you go, hey, I want to read my Bible more too. Let's try doing something like that. I called it the title texters because uh, we texted titles. Youth reading plan. Yeah, youth. Uh, <laughs> I had a wonderful small group this year. And uh, one of the students in my small group, we were talking about Bible reading, said, I like to read my Bible, but I don't really know where to start. It, you know, it's a huge Bible. Where do I start? And I was like, I know. Do you want me to put together a list of like all the cool Bible stories that you could read? And they were like, yeah. And so I put together a list that looks like this. I put some over there on the side table if anybody wants it. But it's just little box chapters that you could check off that you could read Adam and Eve. You could read uh, Exodus stuff. You could read David and Goliath. There's some New Testament stuff. I probably missed some cool stories. Um, but they went home and read their Bibles. And they, one student came in the very next week and was like, I did it. <laughs> you did the whole day. I don't have another one. <laughs> Go back and read it again. <laughs> um, but a number of the students read through the whole thing. And look how much Bible that they were getting in. Um, it was awesome. Um, some people like the challenge of reading through the whole Bible in a year. I'm not the biggest reader, so that I have tried and failed that challenge a few times. Because uh, you got to, I don't know, it's like five chapters a day or something like that. Some people... Just get like a verse of the day. And if that's more your style, I would encourage things like dive into the verse and go, what did, like kind of like what we did today. What does it mean by all scripture? What does it mean by breathe? That? If you get a verse, like really think about the words in that verse. Um, some people do like to do verse memorization. When I was in college, uh, me and my brothers would have, we called them Proverbs Wars. Um, and we would... Uh, we would quote Proverbs to each other to like try to memorize them. We'd be like, oh, that, did you think that was a good idea? And Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. And we'd go, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. <laughs> or, or there's verses in Proverbs about like dogs eating their vomit or like, or, or a madman shooting arrows. Uh, like there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. So memorize verses because God will bring them back in, your, in the time of need. Um, and lastly, read non-scripture stuff. The, there are a lot of good um, non-scripture reading that will point us and direct us to the Bible. So I don't want to like minimize that there's a lot of other good books out there. I did hear a quote that said, and I really liked it, so I'll conclude this one with this. Um, Visit many good books but live in the Bible. And that's what I would encourage us to do is visit many good books but live in God's word. So I'm going to end it with a challenge, like we've been doing. We've had five minutes of prayer. 
I think we had a solitude challenge that uh, I should be remembering better. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to heap too much on, so I'm keeping it simple to go, let's go five minutes of prayer. Let's go five minutes of Bible. That sounds like ten minutes of solitude. Eh? <laughs> so two birds with one stone. That's my challenge. It, you can read about a chapter in five minutes. So spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes of the Bible. We might have to wake up 10 minutes early. I'm reminded of the verse that Nathan talked about in his message, which said, Jesus got up early when it was still dark and spent time with the Lord. So pick some, the challenge is pick something, head into it. I'm going to close with a quote. And, uh, and then I'm going to pray. This is a quote from a, from a hymn that I really like. And it's just two lines, but it says, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Father, you have laid for us such a firm foundation. And there are so many benefits that come from your word and that we get, we are blessed with because of what you've written for us. Thank you, Father, for going out of your way to love us and going out of your way to give us your word so that we can hear from you. We love you so much, God. I pray for everyone in this room, including myself and all the kids, that we would go home and we would spend time in your word and that you would help us to find life in your word. We love you, God. Amen.